go. Hey, Mike, were you aware that marsupials are really bad liars? No. It's impossible. Welcome back, my friends, to the Flicks of the Week that never end. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Fuck you. I am Joe Spiegel, and you are? Mike Sutherland. <laughs> Welcome to the Flicks of the Week. Uh, mine is the six-part Netflix original documentary, Wild Wild Country. Mine is Journey to the West, The Demon Strike Back. Ooh, sounds intriguing. Uh, so much I needed to drink some water. All right, all that and more. Take them away. Stephen Chow. <laughs> Was that on your screen and you just grabbed it or no. did you <laughs> Did you You're uh, looking at the same fucking did stuff you usual, I'm looking did at. Did you usual suspects it? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> you sneaky fuck. All right. All right, so um boom. You ready for this one? Okay. Should I try in a guru voice? Just fucking read it. When the controversial guru... Really? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> uh, fine, I won't read it left way. When a controversial guru builds a... N- <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> All right. When a controversial guru builds a utopian city in the Oregon desert, it causes a massive conflict with local ranchers. This docuseries chronicles the conflict, which leads to the first bioterror attack in the United States and a massive case of illegal wiretapping. It is a pivotal but largely forgotten time in American cultural history that tested the country's tolerance for the separation of church and state. Brothers Mark and Jay Duplass, 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 serve as executive producers on the series. This is wild, wild country. That was a ghetto fucking, uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Everybody felt they were there at the beginning of the great experiment. Like we were the chosen people. <laughs> I'm here in one of the largest ranches in the Northwest. Today, it's Rajneesh Purim because a prominent Indian guru and his followers bought it. Our vision was to create a community based on compassion and sharing. Bhagwan's agenda was simply to raise the consciousness of humanity. That was his goal. America was land of promise. It was my conviction we will have no problems. I don't think America has a place for these people. Everyone in Antelope mistrust Rajneesh. They want that guru and his evil influence out of my city. They're run by satanic power. There is talk of vigilantes who may seek revenge on the Rajneeshis. A bomb went off in the middle of the community. More than 60 followers evacuated. It was a catastrophe. Mostly unjust, If I didn't take measures to protect our community, would do it. We call upon the governor to disarm this cult's army now. If the government does decide to get you, they're going to get you. 
Who would poison a whole town? The Rajneeshi set a stage for a big outbreak to influence the election. They had no evidence. They were facing immigration fraud, smuggling. The Rajneeshis came this close to murdering a presidential appointee. There is bias, there is prejudgment, religious discrimination, and this is democracy. I've had enough of it. We were going to mount a full-scale assault. We will be ready to protect ourselves. Grown up understanding, thou shalt not kill. What had happened? There's darkness in all of us. Doesn't make you a bad person. <laughs> Have you already seen that trailer before? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this whole Rosnish Param thing, it's pretty much Jonestown. Just take away, just pretend that they didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Okay. And so nobody died. No one fucking died in this whole entire ordeal. I'm wondering if that's the reason why I don't even fucking remember this shit from any time. I don't ever remember being mentioned, ever. You know, I've I've watched so many Jonestown documentaries and Waco documentaries and Ruby Ridge Ridge things, and yet I've never heard of Rajneesh um, Param, which happened in Oregon in the early '80s through the mid '80s, and they fucking took over a town. It's holy shit. Why I, why don't I ever remember hearing about this? Like, you know, am I just I just wasn't paying attention, or or this, was this really just? ignored after a while like it just didn't become news anymore because i mean they even talked about this on the johnny carson late you know tonight show so it was 1984 1985 yeah see i'm not going to remember any much (laughs) i mean i was 13 years old so i wasn't paying attention anyways but this is this this makes it interesting oh dude this is the, the what's funny about this documentary is that it's six parts, and each episode is like an an hour and five minutes to an hour and ten minutes. So, by the whole t- by by the time you're done with all six episodes, it's about seven hours. And this the whole thing is about a sex cult. It's about a sex cult, and yet there's like no sex really shown in this entire thing. And they they don't even go into detail about any of the sex at all. It's the whole thing is about everything else. It's about um, them becoming a religion, then them, you know, being in uh, India for a long time, and then moving to, uh, and then they're starting to get oppressed in India because it was, you know, their their views were starting to go against, you know, um, not the Dalai Lama, I, you know, it. Whoever was, run, you know, the Gandhi, uh, I think it was Gandhi's wife that had a problem or something like that with them. Um, so anyway, they um, they buy this huge chunk of land in uh, in Oregon. And it's it's outside of a suburb called Antelope, and Antelope only had like an um, it only had the what was it like forty people that lived there? You know, it was very small. Just imagine how like small and just insignificant a little town like that would be in the early eighties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without, you know, there ain't a McDonald's there, you right? Know, so, or Radio Shack, but uh, yeah. So they 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 buy their own little section. This is and this straight up reminds me of Jonestown because you know like when they bought that little uh, spot of land in uh, Guyana or whatever. Um, so they buy their own thing and they start their own piece of land and 
they start building it up from the ground up. They start putting in uh, irrigation, plumbing, uh, you know, electricity, the, everything. And they only needed to go into town, in the into the town of Antelope, just to get little things here and there. But they were almost completely self-sufficient once they had finished building this place called Rajneeshpuram. And these people, I mean, it definitely is a cult, but these people, it, it never seemed to get violent with them. It never seemed to um, get... Like anything like Jonestown, where the you know there was a lot of you know cases of like rape and 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 favoritism and elitism that was happening in there, and the fact that their leader was completely batshit crazy, right? This one is this one is not this guy right here. Um, Osho is pretty much what they st- you know started calling him, even though um, his name was Bhagwan um, Shri or yeah Shri Rajneesh, because the, the the whole religion is based off of his you know teachings, and. He doesn't even seem. Most of the time, he just seems like he's stoned, <laughs> like more like he hit the fucking hookah before he come, comes out in front of the camera. And every time he comes out, he's got his hands clasped, like you know, like he's in prayer, like this. But they're out in front of him, you know. And he's just very calm, dude. Uh, very calm. Doesn't yell. He, I don't think he, even when the, he found out that people tried to kill his ass, like he didn't fucking yell about it. He just was calm and shit. Just, yeah. And but it was. It, it just when you when you watch this whole cult thing, you you can see that this is the kind of cult that would like like nowadays no one would really have a problem with you know, like it would be that having a problem with this cult now would be like having a problem with the Amish now you know what I mean? No one gives a shit. Go do your thing, right? That's why we have nudist colonies and all that other shit. So this that's pretty much what this could be. You know, is it's just open sexuality. And and uh, um, I don't remember anything about drugs, but it was just open sexuality, and everyone you know like learned together, and they they did stuff <laughs> together, and it was just open, you know, open and free. Yeah, he was he traveled throughout India as a public speaker, was a vocal critic of socialism, Mahatma Gandhi, and Hindu religious orthodoxy. Yeah, and so like I don't even hear anything about any kind of um, you know statutory type things that happened there. Nothing, none of that stuff. It was. What what started this whole damn thing was, and this is how this is what's so good, intriguing about this documentary is captivating is, is that it keeps making you switch sides as you're watching it. Like when it's when it's interviewing all the people that were connected with with Rajneesh Param, you know, um, you 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 start to you sympathize with them, right? And then all of a sudden. It, when it cuts to the townsfolk of Antelope or the district attorney or um, you know government officials and things like that, um, then you start to believe what they're saying. Be- well, to a point, not at first, because at first you get just the townsfolk, and at first the townsfolk just sound like, "We don't like your kind here," you know, "Get out of here, negress," you know. It just that's it, that's what it, the impression you get from it is they're just closed-minded, you know, just Bible thumping. Next in Oregon, yeah, right. So um, these people were just like, we don't like them, and but it seemed like none of them tried to get to understand anyone from Rajneesh Param. And when the people come into town and be really nice, it just they all seem like they're just being dicks to them. And what happened was the people of the town of Antelope didn't want them there, so they started um, getting bills passed and stuff like that that was restricting um, Rajneesh Param from getting things from town and things like that. So. Finally, the lady who's like his second, you know, his well, his first in command, you know, Bagwan's, um, Sheila, and um, she was the one that run everything. Like he's the one that's just calm, sitting in his room all day, you know, having sex and, 
you know, contemplating existence, right? And she's the one that handles all the shit. So it's like, like pretty much he's the royal family and she's Margaret Thatcher <laughs> or her Tony Blair <laughs> kind of thing. So um, she's a personal secretary and close. It, it's, it was his personal secretary. Yeah, but she ran everything. Yeah. And so um, she starts buying up pieces of antelope because... Like, well, if you're going to, you know, if you're gonna, you're not going to let us, you know, get things we need there, then I'll just buy the places that we need the stuff from, and we'll go from there. So they started buying up all these pieces of antelope, and it was just fucking throwing fuel on the fire of them, hate the, the, townsfolk, the townsfolk of antelope, hating them even more. So it just kept going back and forth. You know, like, well, you don't want us here, so now we got to do this to keep surviving. And then because they did that, and then, then the antelope people are doing even more to fucking stop them. And it just kept going, well, I hate you more. I hate you more. I hate you more. And it just, it got to a point where people were getting poisoned in the town. There was um, a, a bomb went off in a hotel in Portland. Um, and there was a, an assassination attempt on um, more than one person involved in this whole incident. It was... Well, they, they right here it says that the assassination attempt was on U.S. Attorney Charles H. Turner. Yeah. There was another one that happened inside of Rajneesh Param when there was a coup. Of, when he of, was when they tried to assassinate him. Yeah, when they, yeah, well, yeah exactly. Because she, Sheila said that there was tapes that showed Bhagwan saying that he was planning on letting them kill him because his doctor that he brought from Hollywood... Um, was she Sheila was saying to her um her followers that um that they were they were drugging him so that they could take control of him, you know, kind of thing. Right. And yeah, she's a fucking psycho. Yeah, but when you watch the interviews, I mean it looked like she's someone that just kept getting pushed and then she'd push right fucking back. Like she wouldn't take any shit. Um Yeah, by by Attacking people with salmonella and I, trying I know, to kill I, a fucking well, U.S. attorney. I, it was I know <laughs> never proven, never. Proven. I don't know, but um, yeah, she was it, sentenced to twenty years in federal prison. Yeah, she spent um, she didn't spend that long, but she um, yeah, she like did a plea deal or some shit. Uh, and by the way, in nineteen ninety nine, I don't know if this is spoiling anything. Yeah. She was convicted by a Swiss court of criminal acts preparatory to the commission of murder in relation to a plot to kill U.S. federal prosecutor Charles Turner. So not only did she spend 29 months, mm. and then she moved to Switzerland, the Swiss court found her guilty. <laughs> so, yeah, they didn't even mention that in the documentary. Mm. So That's okay. It's, it's a documentary about the stuff in Oregon. Though. Yeah, but, I mean, it, the cameras follow her now, because she's like a... She works at, like, a nursing home now, and... um. It's just, it's just funny just to see someone as powerful as she was at, at one time so now she's just working at a nursing home and she's you know still spewing her rhetoric on people um, it, it that's the pro that's what's so cool about this thing is that I don't even you go through seven hours of watching this shit and I don't even remember all the details of it but I was I, I can I had to keep watching it was so well put together you just I, the, I mean, because the whole thing is, a, almost all of it is about, you know, the the uh, attorney general trying to get, you know, evidence to, you know, convict all these people and all this stuff and, and, and things like that. It was the constant witch hunt type thing, and it just... But it, it, it's not a witch hunt when it's proven true. 
Yeah, and so these people. Th- yeah, there are things that came out later, and it's not these people. It yeah. was a, it was a select few people. Yeah, and so there was there's people that are interviewed from Rajneesh Puram that were that did not know about this stuff that they were just blindly following Sheila's word on things, and then when it shit came to a head, it was like they had already committed to doing certain things, so they did them, and that's tough. I I, I I'm glad I'm not in those positions. I, I don't, of course I wouldn't allow myself to be put in a position like that nowadays. So. But it, this is very interesting, just to see people's, you know, um, viewpoints on this whole thing and the people that, that, that came out of this. And like I said, not a single person died in this whole debacle. Surprisingly. I know. And a whole fucking town of people got poisoned. Food yeah, poisoned. 750 people. Yeah. I mean, that that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, I never hear about <laughs> it. This shit right here reminds me of a tamer version of what... Um, uh, Escobar, Pablo Escobar did in fucking Colombia. All that shit, you, I mean, you, I've talked about it before when I talked about Narcos, the show. You know, learning about him is, <laughs> he fucking bombed a plane. He crashed an airplane, you know. He fucking, he stormed a courthouse to get all of his, um, all the evidence against him, to, you know, captured and, and destroyed. Right. You know, I mean, he had his own prison built for himself. The, I mean, it's fucking amazing. And and so when you watch this shit, it just it brings it all back to me about Escobar, because there's some crazy shit that happens in this thing, and and it, it's just fascinating. And the, it's even more fascinating that no one brings it up. It's like because this is Jonestown light, that because you didn't have 900 people dead on the ground. It's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll, you know, we don't need to talk about it anymore. So what I, I appreciate Netflix making the documentary about this because it's cool to know about this kind of shit. This is fascinating, and it's well worth watching. I, I say the, the only downside to it, it, besides, you know, the you know kinky people that would want to watch a bunch of, you know, sex stuff, but there, there's not. There's just pictures most of the time and, you know, naked people standing around sometimes, so it's nothing. But otherwise, um, I would say just check out Wild Wild Country. Because it's important to know about this shit, just to see you know where we've come from and things that have happened, and yeah, that's it. I think that's all I got for now. I can't think of nothing else. Um, I wanted to add on to the uh, the uh, Rajneeshi bioterror attack. Mm-hmm. So Sheila fled to Europe on September thirteenth, nineteen eighty five. A few days yeah. later, Rajneesh accused her of arson, wiretapping, attempted murder, and mass poisoning. Now, whether he was guilty yeah. or not. He also asserted that Sheila had written the book of Rajneeshism and published it under his name subsequently. Yeah, he didn't say shit until she left with his mo- with, with money, he said. Subsequently, Sheila's robes and 5,000 copies of the book were burned. Um, U.S. authorities searched her home and found wiretapping networks and a laboratory in which the bacteria w- had been used um, in the attack. Yeah. Sheila was arrested in West Germany in October of 86, extradited to the U.S. in February on charges of immigration fraud and attempted murder. The Oregon Attorney General prosecuted uh, for crimes related to the poisoning of Commissioner Matthew and Judge Hulse, while the U.S. Attorney prosecuted crimes related to the restaurant poisonings. Sheila pleaded guilty on um, July 22nd to first-degree assault uh, and conspiracy assault against Hulse, Judge Hulse, and later to second-degree assault and conspiracy assault against Matthew. She pleaded guilty to setting fire to a county office and wiretapping at the commune. For those crimes, Sheila was sentenced to three 20-year terms in federal prison to be served concurrently. In addition, she was fined $470,000. And then she served 29 months of her 20-year sentence and moved to Switzerland, where she married Urs 
Bernsteel, a fellow Rajneesh follower. She moved to uh, Meisprock, as I'm saying it, I know I'm saying it wrong, <laughs> uh, Switzerland, where she bought and managed two nursing homes. In 1999, she was convicted by a Swiss court for criminal acts preparatory to the commission of murder, which we already explained, uh, for plot to kill Charles Turner in 1985. The government refused to extradite her to to the U.S., but agreed to try her in Switzerland. She was found guilty of the equivalent Swiss charge and was sentenced to time served, which I don't understand. She should be in jail. Now she's she had collaborated in 2008. She collaborated with David Woodward or Woodard and Christian Crocht on an art exposition at the Zurich Cabaret Voltaire birthplace of the Dada movement. She's a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. It the the documentary the way it's filmed it, it makes her seem more mysterious than um, evil like when you're watching it, it's like is she wrong is she right is because there's a lot of interviews with her you know you're going over seven hours of shit and so I, I guarantee you at least at least an hour of that is of her being interviewed there's because she's constantly popping in and out of every everything about the documentary. So, um, yeah. but yeah, anyway, regardless, you know, regardless if she's evil or not, this is a good documentary. And um, I would say take your time with it. You know, don't watch all seven hours in one day like I did. <laughs> but um, maybe do a couple episodes at a time. But the thing is, is that like every, the way every episode ends, it kind of like makes you want to start into the next one. Like it's kind of like it purposely bleeds right into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shit, I don't think I can think of anything else to say about this shit, man. Just check the shit out, all right? Okay. Mine mine is June. Mine! Nice. Really? That was unintentional, man. I just burped water up. How the fuck do you burp up water? Like that. <laughs> so, um, well, all right. A monk and his disciples encounter a spider demon and other fantastic creatures on their travels. That's nice. That's the, um, the, 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 <laughs> the breakdown for Journey to the West, the demon strike back. If you've ever seen Journey to the West, the first one, it was a really, really good movie. Um, Actually, let's just look that up. It was a Chinese novel uh, published in the 16th century during the Ming Dynasty and attributed to Wu Shengen. Um, it's one of the first, one of the four great classical novels of Chinese literature in English-speaking countries. Monkey, uh, Arthur Whaley, Whaley's popular bridge translation, is most commonly read. Um, it's an extended account of the legendary pilgrimage of the Tang Dynasty Buddhist monk, uh, Zhuangzang, who travels to the western regions, you know, which is Central Asia and India, to obtain Buddhist sacred texts in return after many trials and much suffering. Um, it retains the broad outline of uh, Zhuangzang's own account, Great Tang Records on the Western Regions, but the Ming Dynasty novel adds elements from folk tales and the author's invention. That is, the Gautama Buddha gave him uh, the ta gave a task to the monk, and provided him with three protectors who agreed to help him as an atonement for their sins. These disciples are Sung Wong Kong, Zhu Bai 
Baji and Sha Wujing, uh, together with a dragon prince who acts as Tang Sangjian's steed, a white horse. Um, there's a lot of Chinese folk religion and, and Chinese methodology and Taoist and Buddhist philosophy. But if you watch the movie, it's amazing. Um, in and of itself, I'm trying to find the, the, the movie here, um, but they don't have it. So Stephen Chow had done the first movie and when 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 he made the movie the images are amazing uh-huh. um I'm trying to f- hold on a second here it is yeah Stephen Chow and uh Shi King Kwok um uh, are the co-directors written by Stephen Chow, uh, uh, Chi King Kwok, and and six more people. Um, I'm not going to play the trailer for Journey to the West, but if you get a chance to watch Journey to the West, mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Me and my brother watched it, and I was I, I there were some things that were just kind of <laughs> silly, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, it's an amazing fantasy adventure, yeah. You know, um, I, it, they say action, adventure, comedy, but this is also fantasy. And Journey to the West Part Two, The Demon Strike Back, uh, was written and produced by Stephen Chow. But it was directed by Sweet Hark. If you know who Sweet Hark is, he's a very big action adventure uh, director in in China. Mm-hmm. Um, he has produced and directed several influential Hong Kong films, such as A Better Tomorrow with John Woo. A Chinese Ghost Story, very very popular. The Killer, another John Woo movie. The Wicked City, Once Upon a Crime in China, or Once Upon a Time in China, an amazing piece of storytelling. Um, Detective D and the Mystery of the Phantom Flame, Flying Swords of Dragon Gate, and Young Detective D, Rise of the Sea Dragon. He is a major figure in the golden age of Hong Kong cinema and has been regarded by critics as one of the masters of Asian cinematography. Um, if you don't know, if you've never seen any movie by Sweet Hark. Um, you've done yourself a disservice. Yeah, he he worked with Jet Li on a on a movie called The Master. Um, he did Double Team and Knock Off in <laughs> two thousand two. Yeah. He released Black Mask Two, City of Masks, an American sequel to Jet Li's nineteen ninety six film, um, uh, and a bunch of other movies that he has worked on. He's worked with John Woo, Ringo Lam, Patrick Tam, Johnny Toe, Sammo Hung, and Yen Wu Ping. Um, just to let you know of a few of these, uh, of of the people that he's worked with, and if you're a fan of Chinese action, karate, cinema stuff, like I am, you know who Sweetheart is. Yeah. Um, Journey to the West takes a lot of what Sweetheart's done, and and he and he adds on to the whole um, uh, genre by putting his stamp on this movie. Uh-huh. Um, give me a second, I'm going to play the trailer. So. No, that's the movie. <laughs> Do you know what the number one killer of testosterone is from marriage? Ba ba bum. Wow. 
I'm actually going to play the, the uh, U.S. release. A quest to vanquish evil from this earth. Will lead the world's greatest demon hunters to their ultimate challenge. Oh, this is Journey to the West. That was that was Journey to the West, not Journey to the West Part Two. Um, that was my fault. Uh, so I guess I guess we'll just have to play the uh, Chinese trailer. <laughs> 有过牵挂打我我早已经火清了
你有过师徒二人，恩断义绝。不是朋友，就是敌人。Like a lot of eye candy. Yeah, there was a lot.、Um, so uh, Tang Sang Zhang finds himself in、um, as a giant in a city in India. His master congratulates him on reaching India and retrieving the sutras and giving him a halo as a reward. The halo malfunctions, and Tang wakes from his dream to find himself in an alley in a village of circus performers with his three disciples:、uh, Sung Wong Kong, Zhu Baijie, and Sha Wu Jing. Tang encourages Sun to perform for the villagers, but the disciple refuses. Angered by his stubbornness, Tang provokes Sun by calling him a bad monkey. He's the Monkey King, which causes Sun to smash the village and damage the villagers' villagers' home and his temper.、Um, I'm reading this because it's it's a very complicated movie.、Uh-huh. Uh, the terrified villagers present the group with money and food for their travels, but Sun. Continues wreaking havoc, sending Zhu、uh, Baijie and Tang flying through the air that night. Tang whips Sun for his disobedience, and that sets off. Now, <coughs> Tang and Sun are a master disciple thing,、mm-hmm. and that sets off this whole thing where Sun is trying to teach Tang about discipline. He's trying to teach this this guy,、uh, the monk, about.、Um, Not re- overreacting towards things and, and his temper and all this other stuff and and being a demon, he can spot demons. You know, he can spot all these bad guys. Yeah. And you know, if he's not listening, then what's the point, right? So at some point the next morning, Tang goes to find water and comes across a house. Its host, a beautiful woman in a splendid outfit. Welcomes them all in to for breakfast with her companions. Sun, however, sees through their disguises as spider demons, and he pr- purposely provokes them again, and and that's a- that angers Tang. And this goes on throughout the whole movie, to where they get to the emperor's palace,、mm-hmm. and then then there's a massive battle at the end where Buddha fights.、Um, <laughs> it's just a fucking huge, huge movie.、Um, Hey, what do you call Ric Flair covered in orange drink? I don't care. I don't care. I'm trying to do a fucking movie review. Wu Tang. Stop it. <laughs> Just trying to do a fucking movie review, and you interrupt、Woo! with that bullshit. Um. This, it, when it comes to Journey to the West, this movie is <clears throat> amazingly visual.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's Star Wars visual. It's it's so it's so cool that the way that they put everything 
<laughs> in the movie, these floating balloon type things and um, the the fights in the air and and all of the effects that they use for these these demons, these deities types, uh-huh. you know, when, when they're attacking each other, the spider demon, the, you know, the, the, the priests, the costumes are magnificent. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you've seen the first movie, you know that everything I'm talking about is, is complicated to speak with because Chinese folklore is a visual medium. Uh-huh. And when, when, when they're explaining things in Chinese folklore, when, when they're showing things like, you're not going to see regular demons like the 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 horns with the wings and everything and else. The pointy tail, yeah. You know, you're going to see like gigantic one-legged dudes walking around. You know, <laughs> uh, and not gig- and not like they're giants. I'm talking about like they're just their leg. Yeah, like an entire leg is just huge, and that's part of the demon, right? That's the demon, mm-hmm. and and or a fish that can that that can go over land. Yeah, you know. And um, dragons and 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 weird looking people, mm-hmm. you know, um, demons that look like humans, but when you punch them, it sounds like SpongeBob getting punched, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like a squeaky toy, things like that. So when when all of this is going on, and you have this monkey that's trying to teach, you know, the monkey king that's trying to teach the um, the, uh, the 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 monk in and of itself, what's important and what's not important, you know, life's choices and things like that. Yeah. And the monk isn't listening because he would rather discipline the monkey for doing all these things against, you know, what the monk thinks is correct. Yeah. Like this naive guy is just wandering around with these demons that are supposed to be teaching him life's lessons, and he's not listening to those life's lessons. Yeah. And when he, he finally starts listening to those life's lessons they start to fall in line and they start to 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 follow what he's doing but most of the times it's him battling against them yeah. thinking that they're just a burden like all of these things are amazing um uh, Stephen Chow and Sweetheart are amazing filmographers um, this is, uh, I don't know if this movie is available on, uh, Netflix. I know that I, I watched it on Showtime or, uh, on, uh, um, Stars. I watched it on Stars. Stars. And, uh, I gotta find out. But I know, I think Journey to the West is available on. Let's see if it's available on Netflix. Yeah, Journey to the West is available on Netflix. Now, I guess there's a there's going to be like last year, they're going to remake Journey to the West, but um, it's been slammed for whitewashing. You know, I, I whatever all these social justice warriors sitting out there slamming things for whitewashing. What's wrong with taking these ideas and making them, you know? Making them with with different cast members and whatnot. Well, I mean, you know, remember when we saw Death Note? Yeah, yeah, but that was just a shitty movie, <laughs> you know. And, and I'm not saying that they're going to make a great movie out of Journey to the West or, or Part Two or whatever. There's like there's like five, four or five books in this entire series, yeah. 
and um, it's it's all an interesting read. And if you ever have a chance to watch any of these these movies that are done by um, Stephen Chow, you know, like um, what was it, uh, the Shaolin Soccer, yeah, and uh, God, they're, they're, what was the other one? The one where there's, a, there's like a, almost a dance fight. Kung Fu Hustle. Oh. <laughs> if you've watched Kung Fu Hustle, mm-hmm. then you have a taste of what Journey to the West is like. Yeah. Um, that's that's the impression I got when I, I saw the I saw the first one. Uh, I don't remember when I saw it. I, th- I think it was in the, within, within the last three years. Yeah. I watched it on Netflix or something. But, um, yeah, I've seen Kung Fu Hustle. I saw that when it was new. Um, but, yeah, the shit, man. With um, Journey to the West, I, shit, I, what year did that come out? The first one. 2013. Okay, so yeah, I um, yeah, that sounds about right. Then sometime in the last three or three or four years, so, but I I don't remember much of it. Like I f- I totally forgot I saw it until I saw the the trailer, and I was like I remember that big fish scene and, you know, um, yeah, but you saw the first trailer, not the second. Yeah, or yeah. you saw the first movie. I showed the first trailer for well, the first. What movie. I wanted to ask you was, because the second movie doesn't look like it's connected in any way to the first movie. Oh, it's connected. Okay, I would just—it was quick and fast, but and you know the the trailer for the second one's just the visual flair, right? Right. So, are, are like the same characters from the first movie? Yes, that's okay. why it's connected. And the same actors, and I don't know if it's the same actors. It doesn't matter if it's the same actors. It's it's the same characters. Okay. That's why I said this character, the monk, whatever his name is, is the same character from the first movie. It's. A, that's why they call it Journey to the West Part 2. You know how many fucking sequels they do where no one's the same? That's yeah, why I asked. That's the problem is that, you know, I've never seen a sequel that didn't have actors or characters that weren't in the first one. I mean, call me weird. <laughs> I've, I've seen some shitty sequels that just completely... Sequels to what? I, I, dude, I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I, I, but I have. Like, if we went through a, a whole shit list of movies, I could point some out. But I. Anyways, I highly recommend this movie. I'm not going to give it a rating or anything else like that. It's highly recommended. Um, it's it's, um, and I know that my review isn't very foretelling, but what I'm saying is is that when it comes to these types of movies. It's it's difficult to describe because of all the action sequences and all the flair and all the costumes yeah. and and the beauty of these movies. You know, storytelling wise, it because it's it's based off of Chinese folklore and stuff yeah. like that. They have they they they've got to change some things and adjust things as it goes. But what it, what it really comes down to is you have to experience it, yeah. and that experience is very important. Um, in watching these movies, especially these Chinese action movies, these fantasy movies, yeah, they're fucking magnificent. So, anyways, all right. Um, so, lastly, um, there's a movie that uh, I just saw a trailer for it called Hot Summer Nights, and uh, the only reason why I wanted to mention this because it's by A24 and it's coming out this summer uh, in July, I think the 27th, and um, I just the trailer just popped up today for it, and. Once again, A twenty four looks like they make some interesting shit, man. You know, I, 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 I don't know. I just I don't want to give it away 
because we can we're gonna, we can watch the trailer right now. But um, it looks cool. This looks really cool. Spending the summer with your auntie Bob. Sending me away for the summer. What a cliche. So you're from here? Yeah. W- wait. No. I- okay. Okay. Ew. Hide this. You get high? Gave me, man. Hey. Hey, yourself. It's hoping you show up. Guess who got lucky? I can't get her out of my mind. What would you say if I told you I wanted to start something weed? What's this one? That's a zip. More people bought these, my life would be a lot easier. We should sell more of those. The problem is we're dealing dime bags to teenagers. We need customers who buy in bulk. You didn't know how to use a bomb, and now you're trying to tell me how to flip weed? I have something you've been looking for. Uh, we know you're not cops. That's a good question. Cops can't do that. Sit down. This is going to be more money than either of us have ever seen. They want more. You're not caught up in anything shady, right? <laughs> Daisy, sweetheart, play something celebratory. Happens every summer when the air's so heavy you can't breathe. The nights turn long and sleepless. When you long for cooler times. It's gonna tear you apart. Can't hold on to everything. I think some things you can. Then I hope you're good at being hurt. I was already interested in this movie, and then when they showed William Fickner, I'm like, okay, I want to see this. Yeah, it's just uh, it looks it looks interesting. Like uh, just uh, oh man, there was this movie with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt from about ten years ago, where he gets caught up in some shit, and it, it was really good. That was a good one, and it reminds me of that one to a point. Wish I could think of the fucking name of the movie, but you can look it up. Look up a Joseph Gordon movie where he does uh, you know like a like a hostage like robbery thing. So, um, did you like it? Yeah, it, was, it looks interesting. Okay, all right, so. There you go. There's Mike's <laughs> enthusiastic thumbs up for that trailer. All right. So uh, that's all I got. So uh, what? Hot Summer Nights. See that maybe if it's well, it's in the middle of summer, so I don't know. Yeah, probably not gonna happen. Yeah, probably not gonna happen. So that'll probably end up being a Netflixer. So uh, flicks of the week. Me. You. Mm-hmm. Goddamn right. 